Okay, Mike, great to see you. Thank you so much for joining me today on, on EdTech Today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. As I mentioned uh, before we started to record, it's so nice to be able to uh, talk to you just in general, but also by the fact that we don't have to talk about the pandemic. All of my shows have been just caught up within the, in the context of COVID-19 and, and, and the responses. Uh, and I suspect the news that we're going to talk about here, I mean, th there are some aspects of it, of course, but um, now that we're kind of coming out of the tunnel, I think we could go back and look at some of the other initiatives that companies are doing, such as Microsoft. So why don't we, we we'll dig right into it? Some big announcements last month about um, Microsoft doubling down on the aspect of uh, accessibility uh, to the technology. Can you can you kind of go in and uh, maybe we'll start in kind of a big picture way? What what does that mean exactly from a from a Microsoft's perspective? Yeah, so it. it means a few different things. One of the things we announced is we're gonna have sort of a five-year plan and we've already been focusing on accessibility, but this is taking it even to the next level. And there are a few different components. I think one of the components, and this is what I'm closest to, is actually continuing to build innovative products in the accessibility space and inclusive products. And we can talk a little bit more about what that means because I've been involved with a few myself. We also have support for uh, accessibility in universities and a big push is going to be, how can we help work with people who are creating software programs or learning how to code and designing? How can we help ensure that accessibility is built in from the beginning for all those people learning, future software engineers and future engineers? What we don't wanna do is have them go into different companies and startups and like two years into their job, someone comes and says, hey, you should add accessibility features and content to your program. Let me show you how. We right. want it to be something that's built in right from the beginning and when they're just learning how. And so that is a program that we piloted and uh, we are gonna roll out even further to more universities. And the other aspect is just universal design for learning, UDL. And we wanna support that in the whole process of when people are in college, when they're learning these concepts, bake that in just from the beginning. And so that's a, I mean, I'll be honest with myself, uh, when I was in college and computer engineering and a lot of these concepts, like this wasn't a topic and oh. I wasn't taught that. I didn't learn about it until I got to Microsoft actually. Yeah. And so we want to start earlier to help build that in is just a natural thing, obviously. And then another thing that we announced is just around, even when we're working with other industry and other company people, Microsoft does a lot in this space, but we can't do everything. So we're trying to work with other companies to help educate them and teach access. And how can we make sure that other companies are aware of these same tools and technologies? And I think the final thing that we talked about, and this is more in the broader sense, it's not really education focused purely, but Microsoft has, we've had an autism hiring program where we go out of our way to hire people with autism and bring them into Microsoft because a lot of times not everyone has the same opportunities historically and we wanted to make a specific outreach in this area and we broaden this now to be around dyslexia dysgraphia and some other areas like i work a lot with dyslexia and some of the reading tools that my team builds and, and dyslexia impacts up to 15 percent, maybe even more of the population in general hmm. and so again that's making a specific focus on outreach to even broader set of people like that uh is a great one. Just an example that I love to tell. Uh, the vice president of engineering, of all engineering 
um, for the office group, Microsoft office uh, is dyslexic. And he tells this great story about when he was younger, uh, he was a teenager, he grew up in the Czech Republic and they had these big exams. And if you do certain well on the exam, you get to go on a college track. If you don't do as well, they'll go on a different track. And he didn't do as well on the exam, but his aunt fought for him to be able to stay in the college track. And she sort of made the case, hey, he's really good at math. He's really strong in these areas um, and was able to get him on the college track. And he fell into computer science, which he loves. And, you know, he's done really well. Right. So anyways, we're making an outreach to broader sets of people to uh, to broaden our inclusive hiring program at Microsoft. Well, I guess is Microsoft being kind of the ultimate platform, right? I mean, that not only that outreach in that sense, but what you're mentioning before in terms of having relationships with developers and other products um, that you need to have a simpatico and, and an understanding that that's there. Uh, you, you're inspiring me to remember a conversation I had, and this will date me, but last century in Microsoft's R&D lab uh, out there uh, and where there was still a very heavy duty focus on accessibility at that time, I mean, just in terms of the size of the keyboards and the size of the screens and the number of pixels. There are a lot fewer pixels at that time. Um, but the big frustration was, is when you have someone loading in um, a software product that is not compatible with that, it's not going to work and it's not done, right? So uh, talk about those initiatives a little bit deeper. I mean, I mean, what does that outreach consist of? Do you do beta testing together? I mean, how, how does that work? Well, I think there's probably various different aspects. I think some of it is just education and content and going to conferences and we have a lot of partnerships. Other aspects can be, hey, if you're going to be a company that partners with us, or hey, you know, for example, we work a lot with the Teams platform and education. And there's lots of different ed tech companies that are building apps that will work inside of Teams. And we might have certain requirements that say, hey, it needs to pass this bar of accessibility before you, you launch this program. Like we don't yeah. want you to launch a program on the Teams platform and education and have it be broken for accessibility. Right. And so there, there are things there that we can do. And then there's, you know, the build conference for Microsoft is going on right now where we have all sorts of developer training, developer courses, we have LinkedIn learning. There's all these avenues where we can build these things as just a core component of, of going through the process of the Microsoft platform and how you use it and what are the tools that we have. And then the other thing that we do is, and again, this is something that I can speak to because I'm involved. Microsoft, if you know what the immersive reader is, and Kevin, I hope you know what the immersive reader is. Of course I do. Uh, of course. Uh, so I work on the immersive reader, and that's a product that came from a hackathon actually five years ago. And so I, I was on that team, and we built the immersive reader into many Microsoft products. But then what we did was about a year and a half ago, we turned it into what's called an Azure cognitive service. And what a cognitive service is, is we offer third parties or anyone in the world who wants to integrate things like text-to-speech, speech-to-text, translation. These are all inclusive technologies here, optical technologies. But we said, let's make the immersive reader into a service that any other app can integrate. Huh. And so the immersive reader is very accessible and, and probably more so than most apps out there and what it does. And so now all these other ed tech apps, so for example, Wakelet, Buncee, ThingLink, Nearpod, you know, Canvas, a lot of these ed tech apps are integrating the immersive reader. So that helps them be more inclusive and accessible 
but they don't have to invest the same level of R&D that we do. So we invest a lot of R&D in making the immersive reader one of the best assistive technologies out there. Yeah. But if you're a small, like Buncey, for example, who are great partners of ours, they're a smaller startup. They can't invest that same level to build out a really inclusive set of technologies for reading. Right. But now they can integrate the immersive reader really easily and get all those benefits. So that's another way we're outreaching is like, hey, these different companies, you can integrate our inclusive technology right into your own app in a seamless way. Yeah. What about... Um... What about the end user? And in this case, when I talk about the end user, I'm, I'm talking about school districts and maybe specifically uh, educators or the general educator. I mean, the special education is, is almost its own field, right? And, and people would be hyper aware of not only the needs of students who need these sort of technologies, but the ability to use them. But I don't, let me ask you, in, in a general sense, do you think that there is an awareness or that there needs to be a greater awareness of these tools that are that are baked in uh, to help students and even for for parents, um, a, a, a whole new group of folks that I think since the pandemic started, uh, EdTech has been like, oh, wow, look, here's a whole other user group that we ignored for, for 15, 20 years. Talk a little bit about that end user experience and the importance of awareness there. Yeah, that's an area that I actually spend a lot of time on, especially during the pandemic, where Microsoft, for example, has an incredible set of tools, inclusive tools across, I call it reading, writing, math, and communication. And all these tools are accessible, assistive technology, they're built in, they're mainstream, non-stigmatizing and free. That's the sort of the mantra that I repeat. The only problem is that not everyone knows about them. Like you said, I run into a lot of people who, and parents, educators, school leaders, students, all the above. And some people know about them and some don't. And you know, I could spend all my days just doing presentations on people who are not aware of our inclusive tools. So we've tried to spend a lot of time. So we have educator courses, we have online training, we have YouTube videos. We're trying to do other areas, you know, blogs and social media, trying to let people know. But the other thing is, is like you said, even parents during the pandemic, large numbers of students who need these accessible tools had to start doing school at home. right? And they wouldn't have the same support. They wouldn't have access to the same tools they might have at school. And parents don't have the expertise typically in, in a lot of these areas. They've relied on the school to do that. And so you could say almost in a good way, it's, it's probably not a good thing, but in a good way, many families were almost forced, just like many teachers were forced to adopt technology very quickly during the pandemic. Many families had the same experience. So a lot of families would say, oh my gosh, there's all these tools built into Word or in Windows or right. in OneNote that are incredible for my child. And I had no idea. Right. Great. Right. <laughs> and so uh, we hope that, you know, post pandemic, a lot of these tools are just going to transition back anyway. It's like if you started using a really helpful accessibility tool at home during the pandemic, why wouldn't you just keep doing that at school as well? And it's Absolutely. the same with teachers. Many have learned uh, that those things help. Um, now, the other one that I think I want to just bring this up because, again, we just announced it and uh, I'm subjective because I do work on it. We've been working on it for a while, but it was developed. It was started before the pandemic. It sped up the development during the pandemic and we've just announced it. But I think it's going to be one that will be used not only during the pandemic, but post, which is reading progress. And I don't know, mm. did you see anything about reading progress? No. So 
it's part of Microsoft Teams for education and it's free. I like to always say that because sometimes people think we charge money <laughs> for other stuff and this is right. totally free. And it's really around reading fluency. And reading fluency is reading speed, reading accuracy and reading with expression. Now everyone has to learn to read fluently, but especially in the world of, you, know, you could say dyslexia and special education, maybe it's non-native speakers or second language learners, uh, reading fluency becomes more important and more challenging in some cases. And the way it often works is a teacher will have a student read a passage out loud one-on-one -on -one, out in the hallway, often away from the rest of the students. Yeah. The teacher sits there with a stopwatch and a pen and a paper and, and marks down and sort of how's the student doing and reading out loud. And it, it's a very time consuming and sort of focus intense process. And many students just don't like doing it. Like reading out loud in front of an adult and getting judged is kind of what it is. Sure, yeah. So Presentation um, skills, right? Exactly. So we developed this tool that what it does is it allows the student to read a passage out loud in Teams. The teacher makes an assignment and we record audio and video of the student. And we use a lot of these same speech technologies that were developed for speech to text, but specialized now to listen to what the student is reading, compare the passage, and we can automatically mark up what words are mispronounced, what words were skipped, what words were repeated or self-corrected, and give all that information back to the teacher and they can manually change it or they could use the automated mode or they can do a mix. So you don't have to use auto detect, but what it does is it allows the teacher to gather this reading fluency practice immediately. So instead of taking three days to do this, they can do it in 10 minutes. Right. And what that means is they can now do reading fluency practice much more often. And the reading science will tell you the more you practice reading out loud, the better your reading gets. It's like the more, it's just that, a lot of people don't do it because it's time consuming for the teacher and students don't like reading in front of people. Yeah. And you, you can do it remotely, right? What's that? And you can do it remotely, right? Exactly. And you can do it asynchronously and remotely. You can do it at home as an assignment. You can do it all sorts of places. Right. And, and then we have all crossed... the insights and analytics for the teacher. So all the insights and the graphs and the charts. Yeah. We build that. It's all into Teams insights. So that whole flow is now sped up and made especially students who are struggling, now they can do it all the time. And we're hearing from parents a lot now in the early testing that, oh my gosh, my student enjoys doing this. <laughs> They're not right. reading in front of someone anymore. They just open the computer, they read, uh, and they can practice. And, they're, and they've become comfortable with the technology. Well, maybe the students always have, but the parents have become comfortable with the technology now, uh, relatively, uh, as well mm -hmm. as, as the teachers, right? So, I mean, maybe yeah. this is a silver lining coming out of this, that this this has been the great ed tech beta test for yeah. <laughs> yes. all of this stuff. Uh, yeah. And then finally, uh, actually, maybe people had the time to dig into Teams and find all these various tools. Um, we're, we're running out of time, but I want to get one final uh, question into you. Is, you know, I've heard a lot about acceleration and about this, this time that there's been a lot of acceleration. Do you see that acceleration um, kind of abetting now, or do you think that that will just kind of continue over the, the, the short-term horizon? I mean, where do you see it from Microsoft's perspective? Yeah, I, well, I think for things like Zoom or Teams, online meetings in that case, those will slow down a bit just because people won't have to do as many remote meetings. Yeah. But that said, just like you alluded to a moment ago, I think what's happened is a large amount of just adoption and, oh my gosh, I need to learn to use this tool and that speeding through the process acclimated 
millions and millions of people the tools that some, some of them have said, I will never, I'll never do ed tech. I will never use computers. I will right. never do this. And a lot of them have used it. And they're like, oh, this is actually kind of helpful in many cases. Yes. And so that hurdle, that's a big hurdle for a lot of people to get over. And I think the pandemic has forced many folks to get over that hurdle. So I think what will probably happen is post pandemic, a lot of the things that were maybe adopted quickly and maybe not fully flexed their abilities, it's just like, get it up and running. We'll have the opportunity to go even deeper and explore further. And there'll be that many more people in the pool who are interested in some of these topics. Yeah. It might've been, there's millions and millions of people who previously would just not really be interested in accessibility technology. They're like, oh, I, I don't know what that is. I'm not going to bother. Yeah. During the pandemic, they saw, oh, this is incredibly helpful for a lot of my students. I'm going to keep exploring because it was so helpful. At, who knows what right. else is done. Right. Well, I think you're right. I definitely <laughs> hope you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, I just want to thank you for your, your time and your insights. And we just want to continue to track this and let me know when uh, you're out there and you're having as this beta test, this great beta test continues. If you have educators who are really doing special stuff, uh, throw mm, them my yeah. way because I'd love to talk to them about it uh, in oh, a future yeah. episode. Sure. Great. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Mike. Thanks very much. And thanks, everybody, for watching EdTech today. Uh, I'm Kevin Hook. <laughs>